Step into my office for another episode of Office Hours. In 2022, I started this podcast and I want to review everything I learned. You see, I'm just an everyman, just like you. Went to public school. I didn't really read any of these books and I didn't think there was anything to be gained. Well, I was wrong. I'm almost 40 years old now and guess what? I figured out there's a way to do it. You can learn from the ancients, just like many before our time. The history of human civilization goes back so far, and here we are in the age of information. Don't you want to reach out and grab some of that? Get off your TikTok. Get off the distractions. It's pushing you away from accessing the truth that otherwise would have never been available to you, unless, of course, your bloodline links to a group of people that rule over the masses, all the way back to Egypt and Babylon. Those that have ruled over the many have passed on the right to rule through bloodline, through hereditary succession, passing knowledge about how to rule through religion, Everyday folk, most of them slaves, thought their rulers were gods. Onward time went, and the dynamics changed greatly, but the fact that a small group of people ruled over the many stayed the way it did, and religion as a form of social control, as well as fabric of culture and morality, continued That is my basic understanding of history, and as it becomes more nuanced, I want to continue to set the frame to help you have clarity when I'm interpreting these ideas and these things that I'm thinking. You see, the masses are not a group of people that rose up and toppled over this small group of people. No, they were simply guided to the place that we are today through new methods of spreading information, the written word, the printing press, manufacturing, industrialization, the spread of ideas. We can understand this by reading books, the Western canon passed on throughout the ages, accessible now in the digital age of screens and technology. Mortimer Adler in the early 20th century wrote, in how to read a book, why it is necessary for us to participate in this great conversation. The world out there tells us, hate your neighbor. It's a post-truth world where facts do not exist. That is a silly notion. Something that you can reject by accessing truth, goodness, and beauty. Where is it to be found? What is true? Learn to process information and then develop an opinion. That is true. You decide what is good. Decide it for yourself. Do not have the world tell you what is good. You get to decide that through the logical process of considering these big ideas. Take back the ability to process information and develop your own way of viewing the world and discover beauty and meaning in life in an era in which it is stripped away from so many. The attention spans, that of a mosquito bite, can be lengthened. It's plastic. You have neuroplasticity, an ability to increase your attention span. Sit down, look at the page, illuminated only by reflected light. 
you must extend the mental effort necessary to interpret symbols on a page, to develop an understanding of what is being written down, developing a one-on-one -on -one connection with the writer of those words, an intimacy that passes generations. I started this process, develop the habit. You start your day page by page, pick it up and put it down before you know it. It's just a part of life without distraction, no multitasking, the meditative, calm, considerate process. You see, your brain's a muscle. This is how you use it, little by little every day. Turn the page, one day you finish the book and then on to the next. The immediate gratification of taking in the words, enjoying what you're reading, the story that's being told, may or may not be present in this process. If it's not, maybe your read will be a bit shorter. And onward you go, day after day, page by page, sooner or later you finish the book. That's how it works. Book number one, this year I started in 2022, January, Don Quixote, Perfect Introduction, 1605, Miguel de Cervantes, The Adventure, The Tale of Don Quixote, a man that reads so many books about chivalry and knights that he sets off into the world to have his adventure, help a maiden in distress, fight for what is good, fight for what is right, be ambitious, imaginative. What did I discover right away? Well, these people are no different than us despite the chasm of time. They laugh about fart jokes, the silly humor, the comedic duo found in Sancho Panza. This story romanticizes the Western canon, this tradition that's been passed down since antiquity. Here we can see it, we can taste it. We see that Don Quixote is looked at as a fool for being so whimsical and magical and fantastical, and yet the oblivious world around him scoffs and laughs, and yet he is much like us. Scoff and laugh away. But for those that have accessed their imagination, you know there's nothing foolish about this. You know the beauty that life has. Don Quixote, the mission statement, the reason to read, continues to inspire after all these years. Pilgrim's Progress. Why read Pilgrim's Progress? I hadn't even heard of it, and yet it's one of the biggest bestsellers ever written still to this day and translated in like a gazillion languages. It's the story written by John Bunyan, the simple individual tale, the Christian path, avoiding the trappings of this world to have the ultimate salvation in the end, an allegorical tale sold so well at such a time it influenced the masses, guided how people thought, the everyday person, as well as dictated and influenced authors that came down the line in later years as we see. To know the pilgrim's progress is to know the context in which we view other works. Gulliver's Travels now we're entering the age of discovery and enlightenment, getting close to industrialization. The satire is used again. This timeless tale, ribald humor, shows us the trappings of humanism. Now we can see a through line from religious and divine thinking and thought onward into the idea that humanism and rationalism, will it be man's salvation? Well, we can see this new idea, this new theology in a way, emerging at this time. It seems as though Jonathan Swift is being critical of this way of thought. In Gulliver's Fate, we can ascertain this fact. Pride and Prejudice, a best-selling book written by Jane Austen in the early 19th century, gets us a view into the life of the aristocracy at this time in the English world. 
the rules, the titles, the trappings, the traditions of English aristocracy at this time. Just talk about a Wikipedia wormhole. There's a lot that goes into it. What we see and what the everyday person saw at that time was just a hanger on, this group of people that they wanted to touch this life of privilege and enjoyment, but you really didn't always have the ability to without marriage, human beings and how they plot and scheme and marry one another. The idea of tradition and decorum and pride, behavior, the need to acquiesce to a set of social rules, the finer things in life, the human spirit, dignity, love, the ability to reflect and change the way that the story is told. It's escapist, it's readable, it's enjoyable, it's nuanced, and I loved it. And it certainly tells us quite a bit about the way the world works. Oliver Twist, in the age of industrialization, here we see the great Charles Dickens, celebrity in his day, extremely popular author. Rich and poor, young and old alike, read the words of Charles Dickens. But he shows us in Oliver Twist the trappings of urbanization and industrialization in England at that time. Look at the social problems that progress has led to. And yet, we get a moral message, Oliver Twist, in his goodness, despite all the nastiness he's surrounded by. Culture continues to maintain a moral framework, as echoed by Charles Dickens. I've really loved this book, and I can't wait to read more, but there's other books to be read. Until then, onward we go into Jane Eyre, an interesting story that echoes Pilgrim's Progress. Jane is on her own path. She uses her mind to navigate a difficult world. She's become educated, and she, too, enters a world of privilege. At a time extremely restrictive to women, Jane Eyre provides an empowering perspective, and yet there is a subtle undercurrent of occultism here that continues into the scarlet letter written by Nathaniel Hawthorne as the torches passed from England into the United States, the Western canon now on America's soil. In the 19th century, Nathaniel Hawthorne paints an interesting portrayal using deceptive literary devices to tell the story in a way that alters our perception of what puritanical Salem is to this day. This book was a huge seller, well-written, strange, and certainly occultic as well. Onward to Moby Dick, this masterpiece, I couldn't help but break down in exhaustive detail. This story gives us so much knowledge and information. Melville really knew his stuff. Look at the legacy of humankind all the way back to antiquity, philosophy, theology, religion, and also a snapshot into mid-19th century industrial life, the whaling ship, everything it represents, this whole entire journey while I went through five different episodes to break it down. Channeled Ahab himself and loved every second of it. It taught me a lot about podcasting and I look forward to reading and discussing more books with you. Hopefully you gained a little bit of insight into all the information and perspective and positive benefits that I've gained in reading these books so far. And there's several more that I've read that I can't wait to discuss with you in 2023. So 
until next time, thank you for coming to Office Hours. I just wanted to tell you what I was thinking. Until next class, leave the door open, and I'll see you later. <laughs>